It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot, hands Corey Davis, wide open. Davis still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's the Q-inator. Oh, my God. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I wanted to get to know Hamza Nesraldine more because I've been hearing from a bunch of people that he very well may have been the steal of the draft. And my friend Nate Francis, who is a Florida State alum, said, listen, not only is Nestor Dean the steal of the draft and one of the biggest steals the Jets have gotten in recent memory, but you really need to dig in on him. And the person you need to talk to is CJ Wilson, who's the host of the Unconquered Talk podcast. So I reached out to CJ, and here he is to help us tell Hampson Nestor Dean's story. CJ, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate you guys um, having me. Um, it's a pleasure. So let's start at the beginning of his football journey, which was in high school at Concord, North Carolina. And he was one of the best players in the state to the point where he ends up getting invited to the Shrine Bowl, which is where all the best players in the state get invited at the end of their high school careers. And here's what his coach, Glenn Paget had to say at the time. He said, I'm sure Hamza will be the first to tell you that it's an exciting opportunity for him to play in the oldest high school all-star game in the country. It's obviously one of the most prestigious, too. And then he said, I think it's a great reflection of him, obviously, as a football player, but also as a young man. In terms of what he does to represent himself and this team and this high school and our community, that's a heck of a deal for us. We're very proud of Hamza. And we're very proud of that entire group of young men for how they represent themselves and how they represent this football program. So Nestral Dean was an excellent basketball player in high school, plus he played safety and wide receiver. And he was known for his exceptional work habits, which CJ will touch on in a little bit. But at this point, he was committed to South Carolina. He had been chased by Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. He had been chased by Nick Saban in Alabama. And Will Muschamp is the one that got him at South Carolina. So you know that he was somebody that all the big boys wanted. But he ended up changing his mind eventually. And CJ, that's why you're on the show to talk about what he did at Florida State. Because otherwise, we'd be talking about his career at South Carolina. This was considered a huge blow to South Carolina at the time Will Muschamp really, really wanted Nestral Dean. But here's what Hamza had to say at the time as to what happened. I just felt it was a better environment for me and a better coach and a plan. It's the competitive nature every day and the relationship with the coaches. That's a big part. I feel like I can earn some playing time depending on how my development goes and how much work I put in. It was a really hard thing to do because it's not like something went wrong. Everything was going really good. I just felt like I had a better opportunity at Florida State. It was a hard thing to do to tell those guys. So Jay Graham, supposedly, the running backs coach 
who of course is a legendary running back in his own right at the University of Tennessee and who played in the NFL, is said to have played a big role because he is also a Concord alum. He went to the same high school yep. as Hamza Nestraldine. So this is where I want to bring you in, CJ. Tell me about what you remember about this whole process, about him committing and switching from South Carolina to Florida State, because this must have been exciting for Florida State fans and obviously for Florida State alum and the coaching staff. Yeah, very exciting times. Um, like you said, pretty much everyone in the country was out there. Um, Nas, and that's the nickname we kind of gave him at FSU, um, you know, short for his um, last name. Um, just to kind of give him like an explosive nickname. But yeah, um, it was um, a really good recruitment for Nas. Like I said, he was one of the best players in the country. And you went over a lot of the schools that wanted him. And just to give a little background to the recruitment, like you said, Jay Graham, he did a phenomenal job in, in swaying Nas from um, South Carolina to Florida State. He's a Concord alum, and he's a very good recruiter in his own right. So he um, pretty much... Uh, opened the door, so to speak, for FSU. And once the door is open, um, during that point in time, uh, once the position coach opened the door to step in, that's when Jimbo came through and shut the door completely. Um, we called that type of Jimbo during that time frame, um, brown jacket Jimbo. You know, he, when <laughs> it's, it's a point of time in a, a, recruit, in, in a, a, a recruitment, excuse me, where Every coach, you know, they go into the, the in, in, take in-home visits and try to sway the mom, the dad, the parents, the guardians, whoever it may be, along with the recruit. And that's where Jimbo is is pretty much not necessarily second to none, but he's the leader. You got people like Dabo. You got people like um, Nick Saban, et cetera. But once Jimbo stepped into a living room, he controls the living room, and he pretty much um, sealed the deal with uh, with Nas. Um, it was a huge recruiting battle for FSU. And like you said, Muschamp wanted him, Saban wanted him. And when you have those two type of defensive coaches knocking at your door, that says a lot about you as a player because Muschamp has um, – of course, we know the history with um, with Saban and the defensive players that he produces and um, uh, found, so to speak, with um, his recruitment. But Muschamp also has a really good pedigree going back to Florida and the time, his time at South Carolina with uh, recruiting and having an eye for talent for the defensive backs. So, yeah, getting Nas was huge. And you also mentioned the basketball aspect. <sighs> He, he, he was phenomenal, phenomenal on the basketball court. Every game was pretty much a highlight, uh, whether it's windmill dunks, alley hoop dunks, fast break dunks. He, he pretty much did it all for Concord. So you see the explosiveness in the, in the type of athlete he is. And, and to kind of piggyback off the quote that you stated about him wanting to come in and compete, he definitely did that right off the bat. Not um, Hampson's first game was against Alabama. Well, FSU's first game that year was against Alabama, number, number one versus number three if I recall correctly. And um he got he got pretty much backed up reps, second team reps in that game against um against guys like uh what's the um Atlanta Falcons receiver? Um Calvin Ridley. He um had a couple big plays against Calvin Ridley in that game and just kinda stepped into the limelight as a as a true freshman in one of the biggest games of probably his career at the time because FSU, as you know, kinda went on the decline after that. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Hamza Nestraline was a basketball player, as you said, in addition to football. And so he was a very, very big guy for somebody who was going to be in the defensive backfield. Six foot five, 200 pounds plus. And at the time, Charles Kelly, who was the defensive coordinator under Jimbo Fisher, compared him to Derwin James. So some very high hopes for him walking right in the door, right? Yeah, definitely. And if you look at the um, playing career, um, and I'm not trying to say that that, that um, Hamza was there or anything like that but prior to his injury um he was very much on his way um the production he had at Florida State was 
was second to none. And, and I want his junior year, the second half of his junior year, he now she's just playing out, out of his mind prior to the injury. He was by far the best defender on our team. And that team included second round pick Asante Samuel, who had a great jun- a, a sophomore year also at the time. And Marvin Wilson, who was considered at that point in time, a top 10 pick. So that second half of the season, I mean, he completely took over um, the Florida State defense. He dominated games. I mean, there were some games where Niles would get ACC player of the year with 17 tackles, five for loss and interception. He was just that type of player flying around, um, um, had on the football. He's just an aggressive football, a fast folk football player who um, gets to the play in a hurry. And he, <clears throat> excuse me, and he recognizes the plays in a hurry. And he also comes with um, bad intentions. He's one of those safeties that uh, when he lays a hat on you, you, you know exactly where he's at the next time you're running the ball. You mentioned his freshman year, and he did play that year, although he didn't start every single game. But one game in particular, and one player in particular, seemed to have quite an impact on him watching from the sidelines, and that is Lamar Jackson. When Florida State played Louisville, everybody knows what a dynamic player Lamar Jackson is in the NFL, and certainly everybody knows how dynamic he was at Louisville. Here's what Nesraldine had to say about being there with Lamar Jackson right in front of his face. Just watching Lamar from the sideline I have to give it to him it was just the way he played the game he made it look so easy he played at a different speed than college football it was impressive so here's somebody coming in I believe this was his third game at Florida State and immediately he's faced with Lamar Jackson that's something that I would imagine had a huge impact on everybody on that team in terms of development right because when you face a guy like Lamar Jackson that's big boy football yeah, definitely. And, you know, Lamar won the Heisman Trophy that year before. And, I, and, and to be honest with you, I feel like he won the Heisman Trophy off of the FSU game in 2016. Um, just want to pull off some of the numbers he had. I mean, he I don't want to recall that game too much because it's so painful as an FSU fan, but he just completely <laughs> dominated start finish. All right, so, yeah, so Lamar had 146 yards rushing, four touchdowns, another 200 yards passing, one touchdown in a 63-20 to 20 whoop in the FSU, and that could have been a lot worse because he sat most of the second half. So, yeah, the, the play against a guy like Lamar um, Jackson's talent level, um, like I said, we already started off with the Alabama game first. We already know the overall team talent that Al- Alabama comes with. So to see that, and then in your third game, you get to see probably the best player in college football at the time in Lamar Jackson. So it, it, was, it was really eye-opening in the um, type of talent that, you know, a team like FSU sees on the regular, especially for a freshman defensive back to come in and see, hey, you know, this is really big boy football. I know I was a pretty much, you know, a, a consensus All-American as far as a recruit, but this is another level, you know, to that recipe. So to see that and then also you, this is the reason why you come to Florida State. So that was kind of a wake-up call for him. Like, hey, I really made it. I'm at, you know, this university at Florida State where you you play a team like Alabama, play a team like Louisville, see Clemson later in the year. So you're going to get the opportunity to play against the best of the best. And I feel like that kind of that's that's going to prepare him, excuse me, for the challenge of coming into the Jets locker room. Before we get to his development as a player and the rest of his personal journey, I have to ask you about the coaching carousel at Florida State because somebody is highly thought of as Hems or Nestorlin could have easily transferred or his development could have gone by the wayside because I still can't even believe this, but in four years at Florida State, he had four different head coaches. Tell me a little bit about his relationship with each one and how that impacted his football journey and his development. Yeah, so of course, you know, um, 
and that's and just to kind of get ahead, but that's just a, a testament to um, Hamza's. How can I put this? Just him as a person. Um, just the um, type of um, attitude he came with day in and day day out. Um, no matter the co- the coaching carousel, like you said, it's, it's been crazy. He always came with a positive attitude and never really complained. And always wanted to work, and he was one of the um, bright spots in the locker room because as a player, you get change after change after change. It could get tiring and 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 old, so to speak, and you could get the stale message. You get one out of the locker room. You could see a lot of the transfer reporter in college football. Kids are just bailing out, but he was one of the, one of the guys that kind of stuck with it and um and was one of the um how can I put this the rocks in the locker room to try to keep everyone together in regards to the coaching changes. So yeah, and not only in 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 the head coaching change may not be the biggest component. It's the defensive coordinators that changed. Um, his, fir- his first um, defensive coordinator was Charles Kelly. Um, after that, Jimbo left and went to Texas A&M. So you bring in Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart first then hired um, Harlan Barnett to run the defense for his sophomore year. His junior year, Willie Taggart brings in um, Jim Levitt as um, a defensive analyst. And as a Florida State fan, I'm, I'm here to tell you now that um, the plan was for Jim Levitt to um, – take over the the um, defensive coordinator position from um, Harlan Barnett out, after that year, but just Willie Taggart didn't make it for that third year. So, again, those schemes were implemented also to kind of transition that change to the Jim Lovett scheme of defense. So you went from a 4-3 a attacking defense to more of a 3-4 um, laid-back defense in regards to what Jim Lovett does. Um, so, again, that's another defensive coordinator they had. And then, of course, he had a devastating injury. And then we come to this year – um, which he didn't play that much, but he was still a part of the meeting rooms and things of that nature and, and, and learning the new scheme. You have another defensive coordinator, um, excuse me, and Adam Fuller with um, Mike Norvell being hired as the head coach. So along with, um, of course, we, we talk about the head coaching changes and, and rightfully so, but the bigger impact um, is that that comes with those changes is the, is the changes within the defensive scheme. And for him to, um, have to learn four different schemes within that time frame. Within, you could say three years of playing, so to speak, three and a half years of playing is um it's really hard for a player. It, it may have stunned his development some, but Nas was just such an explosive player in his own right that it really didn't didn't matter. Once he was on the field, he was making those type of plays regardless. And again, that's just a testament to the type of player and athlete he is. He made plays all over the field. Um, no matter what the defense scheme was that was ran and, and, and no matter how unfamiliar he was with the defense scheme, you know, with it being the first year of being in that defensive scheme for the majority of his career at Florida State. Just to punctuate that point about all the plays that Nestleman was making, according to Seminoles.com, he's the first FSU player since 1990 to record multiple games with 17 or more tackles in a season. But his development was really interesting because his freshman and sophomore years, he was good, but he was known more for his ability to stop the run. Against the pass, he still needed work. But it was that junior year, CJ, that he really took that step up. We know what happened against Trevor Lawrence, but he became an all-around stud. Just one of the best players in college football to the point where everybody assumed he was going to leave school and be a first-round pick. But unfortunately, it didn't quite turn out that way. Can you explain why? Yeah, so like I was telling you, um, that point that point during the season, Niles was just playing at a different level. He was by far the best defender on FSU's team, um, and that team included at that point in time a possible top-ten pick in Marvin Wilson and your second-round pick in Asante Samuel. 
um, defensive back of the year of, of the week awards, basically on the regular uh, for the type of performances he was he was um, putting in. Like you were saying, um, he had a game against Boston College, which he had 17 tackles a sack and 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 a couple tackles for loss. But yeah, just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, and at the worst, Niles is going to be a second round pick. If you look at Simmons from um, Clemson. Um, the the um, basically jack of all trade that went to the um, Arizona Cardinals. Um, Niles was just that for FSU, just on a lighter scale. He pretty much played everything for FSU. He rushed the passer. He played linebacker. He played safety. He made tackles in the box. He guarded your slot receiver. He guarded your outside receiver, receiver at times. He pretty much did everything for FSU. Anything that FSU asked for, he was able to adjust and make it happen. So, again, the level of play that Niles was playing at was pretty much out of this world. So, for the Jets to get um, that type of value in the sixth round is amazing. But he did tear his ACL against Florida. Um, that was the reason he did not enter the draft and came back to FSU um, for this se- for this senior year, so to speak, and, and played in a couple of games that he did play that he did play in. But um, yeah, like I said, if if that injury wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened, by far um, he was probably the most intriguing players in the draft due to his athletic ability at his size, his speeds at his, speed at his size. And just the way the game is transitioning, you see these type of big athletes up in space and they play the linebacker position or safety position where they're close in the box just to kind of match up with the offense that you see nowadays with um, the tight ends being um, so athletic and, and being so heavily involved, the spread offenses where you see receivers are, you know, pretty much four wide on a daily basis to hurry up. So for him to um, be that type of athlete, that type of future linebacker or future hybrid safety, so to speak, that the NFL is kind of transitioning to. Um, his draft stock couldn't have been any higher. He he was li- he's he is still perfect for that role, but at that point in time, um, he was scorching hot. Um, the plays he were making, the um, second half of the season, you know, all the defensive back of the week awards for the ACC. Niles is definitely primed to at latest be a second round pick. I do feel like he would he would um jump into that first round once to the work out of the combine and you know ran a pretty much a four five four six jumped in the forty range prior to the injury and just showed scouts how athletic he is um in the in the um in the um short and um short and shirt setting of of a camp setting at the combine. I'll tell you something, CJ. One thing that really impressed me about Hamson Nestraldine is his attitude after the injury because a lot of guys would have gotten incredibly depressed or they might have lost a step or they might have crawled up into a ball, but not Hamson Nestraldine. In fact, even when he was getting carted off the field, he was doing the FSU chop to give encouragement to the fans. But here's what he had to say as far as the injury goes. Coming into that last game of the season, I felt like I was having a good year. I probably was thinking about leaving, honestly. And then I got hurt, and it's been a fight to get back to where I'm at now. It sucks when something like that happens, but you've got to find the good in everything and keep your head up. To be able to do things that seem natural and then it gets taken away from you and you have to fight and work to do simple things you took for granted, once you get it back, you feel so blessed to be able to do everything. Just not being able to play is so tough, knowing you want to be out there, but it gives you more motivation going through your rehab. So the character that he's showing here in just being able to keep his head up and put his nose to the grindstone in very difficult circumstances. Also thought it was fascinating that CJ, even though you said his stock obviously wasn't going to be as high after the injury, he easily could have come into the draft and you would figure somebody would take a chance on him in the mid rounds, probably earlier than what ended up happening here in the sixth round. 
But when he was asked about whether or not he ever considered it, he said, no, I can't do that. I had to go back so that I could play football and get better. That was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. So I had to do it. So here's a player who, by all accounts, and you just talked about it, would have been a first-round pick, hurts himself, very easily could have completely melted down. He didn't. He worked hard. He came back. And his attitude was that he was going to come back and he was going to prove that he was still the guy that he was his junior year when everybody thought he could be a first round pick. So it tells you a lot about Hamzer Nesseldine as a person, doesn't it? Yeah. And it kind of piggybacks what I said about the coaching change. Um, just his character is sec- second to none for all the coach, all the um, turnover he had as far as um, the coaching staff, the attitude was still the same. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to work first. Um, you know, I have that work first attitude. Um, I'm going to come in positive because if I come in negative, um, that's not going to change anything in regards to the outcome. It's nothing I can control. Can control. I can control what I can control, and that's my attitude and my play on the field. And just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about him coming back this past year, um, he didn't miss a practice. He didn't miss a meeting. He was basically a, 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 a second coach, so to speak, for the players. He was at every practice giving pointers. Um, giving tips, giving encouragement, you know, due to his situation. he could, Like you said, he could have easily went into a shell and, and and kind of closed himself off from the team in general and just focus on his rehab. But, no, that's not the type of um, person he is. On top of a, the amazing athlete and football player he is, he's also a great team a team player also. And um, he was always around, excuse me, this past year, even with FSU struggling going three and six. He even came back and played in those last couple of games to show those guys, hey, I'm all in, I'm with you guys for the rest of the road. And they end up getting one interception in the game against Duke also. So, again, that um, shows you the type of person Nas is and the type of character he would be bringing into a Jets locker room, especially to a locker room that's trying to rebuild this culture, trying to, um, you know, change the narrative, so to speak, with um, the players they're bringing in. So I feel like he would be perfect for the Jets in that regard. But, again, like I said, he even – with him not playing this past year, the support he gave his teammates was 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 second to none. And that was probably the most impressive, the impressive thing that Nas has done throughout his career at FSU. And he had, he he's had a really good career, but that was probably the most impressive to me is um how he accepted the injury and how he reacted to the injury and kept going and kept pushing and kept being um that positive reinforcement that um the younger players needed. And something that Jets fans should be excited about, CJ, is that as you said, he did come back for those last two games and he looked pretty good. So if you're worried that maybe he wasn't going to be back to the guy that he was his junior year, maybe he's not all the way back there, but he sure looked like he's pretty close, right? Yeah, most definitely. Like I said, this is pretty much a year long injury that he suffered and, um, and he suffered it, and, and the bad part about it is he suffered that injury the last game of the regular season against Florida, which is typically always in November. So for him to kind of come back in those last couple of games, and um, I believe it was into October and early November, which which was pretty much in line with the rehab, but for him to come back during that time frame and still be one of our best players and still had a production, I mean, within the two games, he had 13 tackles, one and a half for loss, one interception, one breakup. And that's two games coming back from a torn ACL when you've been rusty pretty much all year and you kind of throw it into the limelight and fire. So, again, that just shows the type of player that Hamza is. He, he he was still, you know, productive this time another in those two games. And I feel like he still wasn't 100% in regards to his rehab and where he, where he could be. So for him to um come back for those two games and still be the explosive Nas that we've seen 
should be a positive sign for Jets fans because more will be coming soon. He's just going to get better and better, more comfortable in um, his knee and just more comfortable in his abilities to, how can I put this on? It's a mindset thing. And getting over injury like that, there's a physical aspect of it, but there's also a mental aspect of it. And I feel like um, he's going to be completely over the mental aspect of it due to playing in those last couple of games at FSU and being productive in those last couple of games at FSU. I want to talk a little bit more about the mental aspect that you just said, CJ, because a lot of that has to do with work ethic. And Hamza Nestraldean, even going back to high school, was known for an incredible work ethic. It was said that he might have an incredible basketball game on a Friday night or a phenomenal football game. But no matter what happened that night, the very next morning, he'd be on the track running sprints. And even when he was at Florida State, if he came home for breaks, he would make sure that he worked out regularly. He would call his old football coach, Marty Paxton. And he would ask for access to the weight room at Concord High School, and his coach would be more than happy to oblige. Here's what Nasseldine said about it. I love to use the school's weight room because it just gives you a good feeling to be back in the weight room you started in. He also said that it's a lifestyle, which is what you were talking about before, a mindset, and you've got to be consistent with it. You have to realize that you've got to approach everything with a certain mindset. You have to be the best you can be, and once you start approaching things like that, it starts to get easier because it doesn't seem like everything you do is a hard workout or something. It's just something you have to do and something you've got to do your best at. It's a mindset that I bring to this when I'm doing things. I don't want to feel like I'm being forced to do anything. I try to make it feel like everything I do, I want to do. I make it a choice to do it to the best of my abilities. And what this sort of reminds me of, CJ, and I'm not trying to compare him to Michael Jordan, but if you've ever seen that Michael Jordan Nike commercial where he's standing there and he's saying, maybe it's my fault, maybe I made you think that everything started at the free throw line instead of the gym. Maybe I made you think that I got by on my God-given abilities instead of the fact that I worked so hard every single day to achieve what I achieved. Here's somebody who's 6'5", 220 pounds, incredible natural gifts, star of the entire state basically in football and basketball, scholarships from the biggest programs, but he's still the hardest worker there is, which is again an incredible testament to his character because he could very easily have relied on his natural abilities to carry him, but he took those natural abilities and realized that he needed to work as hard as possible to maximize those talents and be the best that he could be. Yeah, and just... That's a great quote that you that you just stated, and it, and, it, and it aligns to what transferred from high school to FSU because being around FSU, I saw firsthand that the work he put in in regards to his rehab, it was um you know it was head over heels in regards to the hours that he put in. He he really attacked that. He took it serious. Um, he he did extra work in regards to his rehab. It was at points and times where FSU had to kind of slow him down, um, you know, just so he doesn't overdo it. But that's just the type of person he is and 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 again i really hate that this injury happened to him because the sky was the limit but i I feel like um it was a blessing also because it gave him that time to also you know take us take a sit back and view the game from a mental aspect and also just be that mentor and be that leader for the um locker room that that fsu needed i know that's me being a selfish fsu fan but as a jets fan you can kind of flip that and say hey this is the time this is the kind of guy we're bringing into our locker room um, even though he didn't win a lot in college and, you know, he had a lot of 
adversity and a lot of um, coaching changes and this, that, and another, he had a winner's attitude. He had a winner's mentality. He has a winner's mindset. He has a winner's work ethic. Everything he does, everything, we'll put it this way, Hansel um, Najadim is is a winner self-personified. Everything about him um, says that I'm, that I'm a winner. So for him to um, be a part of the program, I feel like it was a blessing, um, not only athletically, but what he um, you know, was able to share in regards to his work ethic, um, his character, things of that nature. I feel like all of those things would be really good additions to the Jets, especially what you guys are trying to do. If he could bring that um, that lunch pail mentality and that workman's mentality, hey, we're going to put our heads to the, to the, to the um, floor and we're just going to grind um, no matter the situation. And there's always going to be a positive outcome due to that if you work. I feel like you guys would be good hands with him and the guys that you drafted this upcoming year to kind of lead the change for the Jets. In the locker room, in the community, and even within the family, Hamza Nestaldeen, very well thought of because his father, Hamza Sr., was an athlete himself. He was a collegiate football player at North Carolina, and here's what he had to say about his son. We're so grateful to Blessing. I'm enthused about the possibility of what he can do at the next level. I think the best of him will show in the NFL. I'm really, really looking forward to the next level for him. He's consistent. He's been working. He understands that after the draft, there's a small window of time, and then you have to get ready. He's working harder than he's ever worked because now this isn't just something that you do in addition to classes. This is your job. He understands that you have to do the work. So, again, if you talk about all the people in his life that have been influences on him in terms of being able to make him understand that he has to take that natural talent and combine it with the hard work. The number one influence appears to be his father, close-knit unit, his parents, his brothers, his sisters. They were all together when Hamza got drafted in the sixth round by the New York Jets. So strong family unit there too. What can you tell me about what you know about the relationship there, especially the second generation football talent from Hamza because Hamza Sr. himself played at the University in North Carolina. Yeah, he was instrumental in his recruitment also. Um, so, you know, when Jay Graham came in, he had to recruit um, the, his father also, you know, with, with his father playing in North Carolina. That kind of gave him, how can I put this, um, an inside track to um, what it's like to being that type of athlete and to have that type of um, father and that type of person in your corner early on. Um, it basically shows what we see today in regards to how to the work ethic. Um, he learned that at an early age from his father. Um, the character, he learned it also from his father and speaking to people around the program and around, um, excuse me, around Nas and, and his father in general, um, that's just the type of person his dad is. So that kind of shines a lot on him. And, and that's just how he is, how he was raised as a person. So to see that, um, to see what Hamza is as a person, it's pretty much um, a glaring image of just what his dad is as a person and what he instilled him as a, as a father. So yeah, he was instrumental in, instrumental excuse me in his recruitment and just the person he is today and what he's developing at fsu and a lot of the adversity that he faced at fsu um was level-headed by his father and speaking to his father and, and um just having that positive reinforcement in his life so yeah most definitely his father was is a big a big um key to what he is today in regards to um as a as a person as a football player with his dad um playing at north carolina 
Confident kid, too. Here's what he said after he got drafted. The Jets just got a first-round talent with myself. The way I'm coming to work, I feel like they got a dog mentality. I just want to go out and show everybody what I can do, what type of player I am, what type of man I am, and let everything play out the way it's supposed to. So considering that he's been in the limelight ever since he was a teenager and the level of confidence and character he showed... I don't think Jets fans should worry about him being able to handle the bright lights of New York City, right? No, not at all. Um, and we know that the um, the media in New York is a different breed, but I feel like um, the way he's raised, he'll be able to handle that perfectly. Um, he's been in the limelight pretty much, um, like you said, um, from from a kid on up, so it, it won't be anything new to him. And coming to um, Florida State, that is it is a big-time college football program that has a lot of media following and has a lot of national TV games, just that and other. Even though it hasn't been to the level that we, we, we typically see, um, he still saw that firsthand at Florida State. So, yeah, coming over to the Jets, that shouldn't be, any, that shouldn't be a problem at all for him. It should be second nature. Um, just due to the fact that he's able to – he's a mature young man um, – first and foremost, but the character he brings, he shouldn't, the, the media or the um, limelight in New York shouldn't be too big for him at all. He's a confident young man, but he's not a, um, a cocky young man. So he, he would definitely do fine with the, the New York media and um, all the limelights and things that come with being the chat. CJ, I thought this was interesting. Here's the breakdown of where Hams and Nestledean played at Florida State, inside linebacker, 242 snaps. Slot corner, 307 snaps. Free safety, 631 snaps. Strong safety, 316 snaps. So it seems like he could play all over the place, which is good because Robert Sala really wants somebody that can be versatile in his defense. Tell me a little bit about where you see him fitting in here with the New York Jets. Where do you think he's predominantly going to be used in this new defense that we saw in San Francisco with Robert Sala and a little bit in Atlanta with the new defensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich. Yeah, I feel like um, he'll probably be best bet for the wheel linebacker or he could be the hybrid safety depending on the package. But um, definitely he'll he'll fit best for a wheel linebacker. He's about six, he, now he's a 6'5", 220 as it is. And he still has a slender frame, so to speak, even though he's a pretty big kid. You can still see that he can add some more pounds to his frame, so he could be 235 easily and still have his um, peak athletic abilities. So if you get a 6'5", 235 Nas, I feel like he's just going to be a terror to defenses across the league because he's already physical. He's already athletic. Um, he has great instincts, long arms. He's going to be able to keep blockers off him in the run game, um, and he has a real quick, fast trigger. So once – um. He reads the play. He, he's pretty much fast flow to the ball and, and, and beating a lot of blockers to the point of attack and get into the play before it gets started. And also guarding um, with checking tight ends, H-backs, and running backs, things that things of that nature, it won't be an issue at all for Nas because he's pretty much – excuse me. He's pretty much um, accustomed to, to, guard, to, to guarding um, your slot receivers and your outside receivers. They're pretty much quick and athletic guys. So – That'd be an easy task for him in regards to transitioning to focusing more so on the linebackers, running backs, and things of that nature. And he also understands pass coverage as a safety. He also understands run fits as a safety. So if you bold that into a linebacker, his his run fits would be amazing. But also, a lot of linebackers aren't really comfortable in pass coverage because there's just not something they're familiar with in understanding coverages and things of that nature. He understands that. So the transition to a line, a wheel linebacker and, and being his own coverage, man coverage, he'll understand his feel within the defense in regards to the flow of um 
in regards to the flow of the passing game. So being in the secondary and um, understanding where you fit in zone coverages and things of that nature is totally different than being a linebacker who does it sporadically. So for him to come in and have that experience already, and like I said, he's he already has the frame. So if you put um you know 15 pounds or so on him, I feel like he won't lose the beat. He'll still be explosive. He'll still be fast. And he'll still be a step above athletically versus the competition in regards to the tight ends, running backs, and things of that nature that he typically will see. And you have um, one of the best defensive minds in the um in the NFL with um you know the Jets head coach in regards to Robert. So he's he's gonna put Nas in the absolute best position to be successful, to say the least. And it seems like Robert Sala understands that because we talked about how Hamza was outstanding against the run his first two years and then really took a step up in terms of reading coverages his third year. And that's what vaulted him up to somebody that could have been a first round pick. Robert Sala, in talking about the type of versatility he expects from the players that they picked in the late rounds, including Hamza Nestraldine. In our scheme with the chaos we create up front, our guys are more run and hit, more lateral players. We look at them, these young men, they're down safeties, which is basically linebackers. What can we see from those guys? We can see their ability to read, diagnose the run, hit, play coverage, and understand the rough concepts in front of them. We feel like they would be able to translate to linebacker easily. So essentially, he's saying that he sees these guys like Hamza in the way that you just described. The Jets went after Keanu Neal in the offseason to play this role as a free agent. He ended up signing with the Cowboys. But perhaps Hamzer Nesseldine steps in and takes the role that was intended for Keanu Neal had he signed here. And no disrespect to Keanu Neal. Um, I'm pretty familiar with him. Um, my wife is from the same high school that he went to and is, is pretty familiar with um, you know, him as a player also. But I feel like you guys may have lucked out in regards to him going to the um, Cowboys and, and um, Nas falling to you guys in the sixth round because he's pretty much – I think he, he'll be a better fit for you guys athletically for that role. He's a bigger body. Um, Keanu Neal is, 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 is a striker when it comes to hitting, but Nas is also. But I feel like athletically in the versatility that Nas brings, it's a, it's a step above what um, Keanu Neal did at Florida and what he's done in the league so far. Um, he's pretty much, a, I don't want to say a one-trick pony, but he is a one-trick pony. Nas can pretty much do it all in everything that you guys are asking for. And hearing that quote, um, from Robert, I mean, I, I, it's like the perfect picture of, of Nas. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, in, in, in listening to what you just said, um, how should Nas Dean come directly to mind in regards to what you guys want, in regards to a, what Robert wants from his defense and from his linebacker slash safeties. So I feel like you guys really lucked out in regards to um, Neil going to the Cowboys and the value you got for Hamza in the sixth round. When Hamza Nestraldeem went to the Jets in the sixth round, I texted my friend Nate Francis and I said, what can you tell me about him? And he said, this dude's an alpha. He's going to be a steal. And then he later told me that I should talk to CJ Wilson, the host of the Unconquered Talk podcast, to flesh out exactly why. And I'm really glad I did because now we know that Hamza Nestraldeem has a chance to be an outstanding value for the New York Jets, considering that he was picked at number 186 overall. Somebody that had first-round ability, had some injury concerns, but those are the types of players that you take a chance on late in the draft, and I'm really glad that the Jets did that with Hamza Nesraldine. 
CJ, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Fantastic insight into Hams and Nasruddin. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does in training camp and then hopefully seeing him in that lineup with the New York Jets as soon as possible. For those that want to check out everything that you're working on, I know you do a Florida State podcast that I just talked about on Concord Talk, and you are the guy that people should be following if they want to know about Florida State and Florida State football players. So talk about where people can find you and what you got going on in Unconquered Talk. Yeah, well, uh, my Twitter ad is CJWilson850. Um, you can definitely follow me there. Um, pretty much cover everything in regards to Florida State recruitment, current play, uh, perspective on changes, um, some nuggets in regards to what could be coming. See, on, 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 on Conquer Talk, we pretty much cover everything. We uh, cover what the news is in regards to Florida State, whether it's the recruitment news in regards to any big guys that could be um, possibly committing nuggets future changes to the program staff and also just insight on the current state of the program with um you know current players and how they're doing with the new head coach and things of that nature uh so yeah you definitely should got you guys should definitely check out our conquer talk podcast we also have pretty big hosts um on our podcast we've had um walter jones on the podcast wow. we're in the process of getting peter warwick on the podcast we've had snoot menace and also um former jet lavernius coles so yeah um, we definitely um are pretty much well-rounded in regards to Florida State news. We'll have um, some legends pop up for um, some insight and things of that nature. So, yeah, definitely, if you're um, interested in FSU and you want some more FSU uh, players to become New York Jets, check out the um, On Conquer Talk podcast. You'll get an inside track to those players. Got to get Marvin Jones on there, man, one of the all-time great Jets who is a Florida State yeah. guy. But I'll tell Marvin, you, you said the magic oh. words to me, CJ. Lavernius Coles, one of my all-time favorite Jets. So go ahead and make sure you listen to that episode and check out everything that CJ is doing over at Unconquered Talk. And check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got tons of film breakdowns courtesy of Luke Grant. Hopefully we'll have one of Hams and Nesraline soon that you can check out and see why we're so excited about him as a potential steal for the New York Jets. Kayla Pace has her commentaries. Pace's playbook, they're up there too. So please subscribe if you haven't already. And make sure you give the podcast a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 